right. Well, howdy out there, everyone, and welcome to the world-famous Cotton Companion podcast from the creators of Cotton Grower Magazine. Now, this is Bet Barnes, along with my colleague and good friend, Jim Stedman, who is Cotton Grower's lead editor. Uh, Jim, as you know, I am fresh back from the happiest place on Earth, or at least I was in close proximity to the happiest place on Earth, uh, Disneyland. Uh, as I just got back from the National Cotton Council's annual meeting, which was down there in Orlando, Florida, where it was didn't look super happy <laughs> out the uh, conference window. It was cold and gray and drizzling, uh, relatively cold, cold for a Mississippi boy. Uh, it was cool outside, but definitely gray and drizzly uh, outside those conference windows. I did learn one thing, and that is there is no stopping a farm wife uh, with the kids in tow uh, when you are in Orlando. There were a lot of cotton families who powered through that rain and cold and 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 drizzle and uh, got up, got out there, did the parks, did Space Mountain and rode the teacups and all that fun stuff. And so uh, my hat is off to the true MVPs of our industry, uh, the moms who braved that weather and made a vacation out of that, um, out of that uh, bit of industry business that happened down there in Orlando. Uh, this past weekend, so uh, some of them are still down there. Actually, now that it's- I would, I would suspect they probably are. Yeah, <laughs> it's just Wednesday. I've been back at it for two or three days, but yeah, I'd bet a few of them are still down there having a big time. Maybe the weather's improved. Um, so, Jim, we are in the thick of meeting season. We have just over a week now until we hit the Mid South Farm and Gin Show, which is here in downtown Memphis. Are you prepared, Jim, to? walk that gym sh gin show floor and uh, shake all the hands this year. I am always mentally prepared to yeah. walk the show. Uh, physically, it's, you know, we'll, we'll see. You know, it's, it's always, there is, if, if you're one of these people who counts your steps, you're going to get a lot in uh, during that show. But no, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. It's always uh, a very busy two days, two and a half if you count uh, going in Thursday to get everything set up for, for our booth, but uh, yeah, I mean, there's people are already calling, wanting to visit. Uh, we've got some information about a uh, you know a little press deal on Friday afternoon, uh, and of course you'll have uh, the the Cotton Outlook conference on Friday morning that we cover. Uh, gonna be a lot of old friends, a lot of new friends there, and in the midst of it, we are going to uh, peel away and present physically present our uh, Cotton Achievement Award for 2023. Uh, there at uh, at the Mid South Farm and Gin Show, so it's going to be a busy couple of days. Uh, you know, you will uh, you know, better better start doing your step drill at least. Uh, Beck, kind of kind of get get ready for that. Getting some cardio in, yeah, yeah, it is. You might want to ride. Maybe you could ride your bike. I know. Well, that's that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, it's so nice out. I know we we're just talking about it. Uh, yeah, I got to get my cardio in in advance of the Gin Show. Now for you, Jim. You are kind of a, a uh, it's doubly busy for you because you're kind of a uh, uh, unofficial staff on the show as your <laughs> wife, Andrea, is on for real on staff over there at the Southern Cotton Jenners Association who puts that giant show on. And so I know it's a family, it's a family effort over there. You, you and Andrea and the kids get involved and uh, yeah, I <laughs> It'll be a busy, busy weekend. Not the over. It's going to. It's it's already. It's already ramped. Yeah. Let's put it this way: the anxiety and and the effort and the energy is already ramping up for it. But uh, 
but yeah, it uh, it is it is what it is around here. At uh, in the midst of of everything else that goes on. So, yeah, yeah, I know. Well, we'll be looking forward. It's going to be a big time, as it always is. So. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Jim, I mentioned that again. I'm fresh back from that annual meeting, NCC annual meeting, and it, yep. a lot happened down there. We had a lot to cover. Uh, the Council's economic update was delivered by economist Jody, Dr. Jody Campeche, I should, I should say. And um, I guess my brief summary, I've had a couple of farmer buddies text me, well, what'd they say? What'd they say? <laughs> um, you know, me, uh, not the sharpest uh, economist out there, uh, but I think my just very brief summary would be that I thought Jody was saying, you know, fundamentals are driving this it's not a mirage, you know. I mean, fundamentals have been driving this uh, recent little uptick in prices that we've seen, which have been a very present, pleasant uh, surprise. And so as long as the global economy continues its kind of slow and steady recovery that we think we're seeing, uh, you know, yeah. prices ought to be ought to be all right uh, heading into this year, uh, which, again, has been a very pleasant development. So uh, we heard uh, also from the NCC on their acreage projection for 2024, and they came in. This was also delivered during Dr. Campisha's uh, economic update, and their survey results showed that they are projecting 9.8 million acres of cotton uh, in the U.S. in the coming year. Now, that is quite low, uh, lower than, gosh, I don't want to lie to y'all, but I believe that would represent the lowest total acreage number in quite a few years. Um, uh, that said, you know, I should mention, it felt like Dr. Campiche was kind of hedging on that projection uh, from the moment she said it. It was almost like she wanted to make everybody aware, you know, that they conducted this survey in mid-December, and it's like as soon as the survey ended, the price situation just completely fluctuated, and suddenly cotton was much more attractive than it had been for that, you know, mm -hmm. week or two that their survey was out in the market. So, Jim, I know that we have some experience there. You're always vulnerable to just that, what happened, which is, you run a survey, and then the second you get it back before you can publish your results, the whole scenario changes. Yeah, so. definitely. And and I think the other thing, you know, I'm I'm not gonna uh, I have no no quibbles at all with uh, with the results of their study because their study was done after hours. You know, ours we again, for our listeners, as a reminder, cotton growers number that we released in January based on surveys in mid mid November to early December was 10.1 million acres. And uh, we got absolutely no pushback from, you know, from the economists in the market. You're smiling. It's like the margin between what we projected and what they projected is minuscule. 300,000 acres. It's 300,000 acres. But because it's a double dip, because we got into double digits yeah. just over that 10 million, <laughs> ours didn't sting as bad. Yeah. But, you know, and and again, I think one of the reasons that, that there was some hesitation uh, on on the council's number is let's see they released theirs on Sunday so that would have been what the 18th on the 15th the week before USDA did their annual ag forum uh, ag outlook forum and they were doing based on all of their calculations and projections and things like that their preliminary number for cotton was 11 million acres uh, which kind of surprised me. 
on it uh, because if you see, all the all the times we have talked with uh, with our economist friends since and uh, putting our number together and since that point even through Beltwide, uh, they're all going. Yeah, normally we'd follow the corn cotton ratio or we'd follow the soybean cotton ratio, and when you follow that rent formula, you know, yeah, it will tell you, you know, 11 million acres. But they also said our current market situation and everything else that's going on, uh, you got to take more into consideration than just that formula. And they don't, I think it was sort of like universally going, it's not going to be that high. Uh, I think what it tell, what it shows us right now is just how uncertain we are is on the cusp of planting season as to how many acres are really going to be out there. Yeah. You know, because it, you know, there's, it's one thing for us to be 300,000 acres, 300,000 acres apart with the NCC, but it's another thing for them to be 1.1 million acres apart with USDA. So that's, you know, I mean, that's a huge range in there. It's a huge range of uncertainty. So, so Ole Miss math, I believe that's around 10% swing. Uh, yeah, it is. I think, Really and truly, the you know the truest look at it will be what USDA will start now. I mean, this again was just the, their initial projection based on what they're based on their formulas. Yeah, uh, they will start their planting intentions survey, I think, the first week in March, and by the end of March they will release that, which will I think tighten up that acreage number a little bit and give us a, a much clearer feel for what that number is going to be as growers are seriously, by that point, some will be in the field, South Texas, and as everybody else is gearing up to go to the field. Uh, so I won't be surprised to see that number that number drop back down. But again, I'm not an economist. I, I like you're more, you're more uh, a pessimist on this than I, I, I want to side with the USDA and think that their 11 million projection is is better. I shouldn't frame it as pessimist or optimist. I mean, it's, it's numbers. It is what it is. But I think if you're I think, a cotton grower magazine, yeah, we won't. We yeah, won't I, you, know, I think I, you know we've always we've always said our number was probably we probably set the you know the the, the baseline. Yeah, and we'll probably end up end up higher than that. I still think it'll end up higher than our, than our number. Yeah. Well, I, I would just say my last bit of context here is that as. Jody Campiche presented their 9.8 million acres. I I just felt like her um, tone about that it just didn't seem super confident, and she immediately, well, I mean, understandably so. The price scenario flipped the second that they got their data back from. Oh yeah, the scenario completely changed. So like I understand her hedging their number, but she immediately pointed to that USDA 11 million and just kind of said, hey. That one may be closer to the truth. So you know, you said what you're saying, Jim, is the economists think the NCC number is closer to the truth, and I think the NCC's economists kind of pointed at that USDA 11 million yeah. and said that may be closer to the truth. It, so it, it feels like you're standing in the circle, pointed at each other. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At this but, point, yeah, you know. But you know, we'll see. We will see what happens with it. We will. I hope for. I hope prices. Continue to climb sky high, uh, but for yeah, for Cotton Grower Magazine's sake, I hope we have uh, you know yes. maybe we have twenty million acres. Who knows? Um, so we won't have twenty million acres. We won't have twenty million acres. Scratch it. If anybody heard that, no, that's not <laughs> that will not be correct. Do not do not <laughs> write that down. Okay. So in addition to all of the great uh, intel that 
the council shared and the work that they are doing. You know, I should say before we get away from talking about the annual meeting, uh, hats off to the folks at the annual, to our friend Marjorie Walker for putting on a first class show. And you just, it's been a couple of years since I went to that meeting, Jim. And you just come back and you realize like all the different things that the council has their hands in and all of the uh, uh, battles that they are fighting, mm-hmm. things that you wouldn't even be aware of, you know, the the stuff that they are trying to handle on behalf of the industry. Um, just amazing. Great work that they do over there. So uh, while down there, Jim, I also had a great chance to visit with our newly elected NCC chairman, uh, Mr. Joe Nicosia. Joe is the Global Trading Operations Officer for Louis Dreyfus Company, as well as the head of the Cotton Platform. He is also the Executive Vice President of Louis Dreyfus Company and the CEO of Allenberg Cotton. That is a lot of titles. That's three lines worth of script. So uh, (laughs) most of our audience, though, most of our listeners would recognize Joe as the guy who delivers that uh, exceptional market analysis every year. Uh, at the Mid-South Farm and Gin Show. He's going to do it again here in a, in a little over a week. So right. uh, but we we had a chance to sit down with Joe and discuss, among other things, how this Chicago born and raised uh, city slicker found himself at the center of the most Southern of crops, the cotton industry. So before we get to that interview, though, uh, our sponsors, the American Cotton Shippers Association, they've got a brief message they'd like to share. The American Cotton Shippers Association, also known as AXA, is a trade association primarily made up of cotton merchants founded in 1924. AXA members manage the majority of the world's cotton trade, providing services of merchandising, delivery logistics, and risk management to their customers. AXA is proud to be celebrating its 100th anniversary this year. Join them in Scottsdale, Arizona in June 2024 for their centennial celebration event. Okay, thank you to our friends at AXA, the American Cotton Shippers Association, for that message and for their support. Now, Jim, uh, before we get to that Joe Nicosia interview I've mentioned, I know that you had a rundown on, among other things, uh, what happened with the Dicamba rulings since our last episode, as well as some other headlines from the annual meeting. So go ahead. Okay, well, you know, as, as is always seems to be the case with this podcast, just as soon as we wrap one up, you know, something big happens in the market. And uh, I think no sooner we're, did uh, we uh, we post the last podcast than we got the announcement on uh, February 6th that uh, the U.S. District Court in Arizona had vacated the labels for Extendamax, Ingenia, Intavium, uh, Dicamba herbicides for use on for over-the-top use on Dicamba-tolerant cotton and soybeans. And the first thing that came to mind and what I was hearing from other people was, didn't we just go through this? You know, this there's really a lot of deja vu attached to this. Uh, and the answer, of course, is yes. We went through this back in June of 2020. Uh, the labels were pulled. Unfortunately, at that time, it was June, just as growers were getting ready to actually apply the product. And that caused a, uh, you know, a lot of concern at that point. Uh, EPA, thankfully, at that point said... Uh, Yes, the labels are vacated, but if you have it in hand or if it's uh, if it's in the retail channel, you can still go ahead and use it. Uh, and uh, we're going to give you long enough to meet, you know, what the label dates were to, to use that. So, uh, in essence, that is what has happened again. On February 14th, uh, the market got a nice valentine from EPA. 
saying that, yes, you're going to, uh, it's an extended existing stocks order uh, that you can use the products as long as it is already in your possession or if it's already at the trade channel. Basically, uh, the manufacturers, uh, Bayer, BASF, and Syngenta can no longer ship the product because there is no label for it at this point. Uh, so anyway, the uh, uh, what, it, what it allows them to do is, again, uh, go ahead and use the product according to label directions. And I think in terms for soybeans, I think the cutoff date is June 30th. And for cotton, if I'm not mistaken, that cutoff date is July 30th. So uh, anyway, uh, again, growers are, uh, you know, they're using, they're being able to apply this technically without a label at this point uh, under this existing stocks order from, from USDA. But one thing I'd like to mention in all this is, yeah, we've been through this before. Uh, this time it feels a little different. You know, it feels uh, it feels tougher. I feel like maybe it's going to be a little bit more punitive uh, since EPA kind of let some things slip through from the from the initial lawsuit uh, several years ago. Uh, I think what it does it exposes these these impossible challenges that EPA has been facing for the last several years to try to meet these legal guidelines and uh, and new labeling requirements, particularly particularly when they have to take the Endangered Species Act into, into consideration. Uh, things that they've been doing that tried to fend off additional lawsuits and other distractions. Um, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's really kind of, they've, they've got an almost, you know, an, in, an enviable job. Uh, the day after this ruling came down from uh, the first ruling, I was at a cotton meeting over in Jackson, Tennessee. Larry Steckel, who's a weed specialist for University of Tennessee, uh, kicked off his presentation basically by saying, uh, I think I may have made a mistake by taking biochemistry and biology in school rather than going to law school, uh, noting that, uh, you know, this is just really kind of the beginning of all this, uh, that basically the, the biggest challenges ahead now are resistance and regulation. It's just not going to get any better. Uh, I called our friend Stanley Culpepper over at University of Georgia to kind of get his reaction on it. Uh, when he called me back, he said, I just want you to know you are my 261st call today. Now, all of this was before EPA issued the, the existing stocks order, but it gives you an idea of just uh, how big a deal uh, this is and has been and probably will continue to be. But uh, for now, this season is safe in terms of application. I cannot even begin to predict beyond this point uh, what's going to be, and I don't think you'll get a, a, a prediction out of any of the weed specialists right now, other than I'm just, all I can do is tip my hat to them. They've all done a great job in getting programs and existing and uh, alternative programs and things in place for growers to uh, to use, whether they were able to use dicamba or not. So uh, congratulations and, and again, kudos to those folks. Now, I know, Beck, you mentioned you were at the NCC annual meeting, and yes, we do have a new chairman in Joe Nicosia. I don't want to take just a minute and and uh, and sh give a shout out to the other new officers that were elected uh, this year to help lead the National Cotton Council. Uh, as you mentioned, Joe is uh, the the 2024 chairman. The uh, vice chairman for 2024 is Patrick Johnson, 
Uh, he's a he's a grower from Tunica, Mississippi. Uh, vice presidents are Mike Quinn from San Sanford, North Carolina, Hank Reichley from Greenwood, Mississippi, Raymond Faust from Richardson, Texas, Sammy Wright from Tifton, Georgia, Kurt Gilkey from uh, Corcoran, California, and uh, Jay Cowart from Altus, Oklahoma, each of those representing one of the segments of the uh, cotton industry. And Mark McKean, who's a producer from Riverdale, California, was reelected as secretary-treasurer. Uh, there are obviously a lot of other folks elected in affiliated organizations, and uh, we'll be covering all of those extensively uh, in the books, in the pages of uh, Cotton Grower in our April issue, as well as online uh, on cottongrower.com. And just two more quick shout-outs, uh, because there are two major awards issued by the National, Co uh, by the National Cotton Council each year. Uh, Steve Verrett, who's uh, former director of the National Cotton Council, longtime executive vice president of Plains Cotton Growers, uh, received the Oscar Johnston Lifetime Achievement Award for 2023. That is an award presented to an individual who serves the cotton industry through the NCC over a significant period of his or her active business career, recognizes those people who exert a positive influence on the industry and who demonstrate character and integrity as well as perseverance and maturation during that service. And I think Steve is a perfect choice for that. And also a shout out to Eddie Smith, who's a former chairman and vice chairman for the National Cotton Council. And he was received, uh, he received the 2023 Harry S. Baker Distinguished Service Award. And that's presented annually to a deserving individuals provided extraordinary service, leadership, and dedication to the U.S. cotton industry. Uh, Eddie's a, a good friend of, of the magazine, as is Steve, and so we're just pleased to see that uh, they've been recognized in this way by the council. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, Jim. Uh, huge congrats to both Steve uh, and Eddie, two West Texas gentlemen who have just been so great to the industry and also so helpful to us at Cotton Grower Magazine whenever we've needed them. Big congrats to them. Whenever I think about Eddie, man, he's got this on his spread on his home place there in Floydada. Uh he took me to he's got this canyon on on his property that looks straight out of a an Eastwood spaghetti western. I mean it's like a Hollywood. It's one yep. of the beautiful little and it's just like in his backyard, you know. And so many of so many of our farmers have this beautiful land that they work on and it's it's a treat to get to go see some of it. So anyhow, yeah. Big congrats to those two. Congrats to all the new leadership at the council. Uh, one of the topics that Joe Nicosia and I talked about uh, in our interview is, is leadership within the council and also some of the challenges in the year ahead. He had some interesting things to say about, you know, uh, global competition in Brazil, which he has a, you know, his unique specific perspective on. So all of that included in our conversation with NCC chairman Joe Nicosia. We will go ahead and share that interview with you now. All right, so I am here with the soon-to-be uh, elected chairman of the National Cotton Council, Joe Nicosia of Allenburg Cotton, that's correct. And uh, Joe, uh, thank you for joining us today. Great to be here, thanks. And uh, I just want to talk to you first and get started uh, asking about your start in Chicago. I know 12, 13 years ago, I was up there in Chicago when you were being introduced as the president of AXA for the AXA annual meeting up there. And I remember being there and 
being very impressed with your sister who you had come and speak to that group and um, just got to know a little bit about your start up there in Chicago. Can you tell me though, how you went from a city boy, how most of our listeners would hear you, to getting your start into this, uh, the most Southern of crops, the cotton industry? Oh, sure. Um, well, I went to school at, at Dartmouth. Um, coming out of Dartmouth, I uh, had a choice of uh, trying to continue and go get my MBA at University of Chicago. I deferred that, decided I wanted to uh, pursue. I always kind of had a love for trading, you know, the competitiveness of it. So took the job of Louis Dreyfus and actually started in the grain division. Uh, I moved uh, three times in the first 16 months, started in Minneapolis, moved down Springfield, Illinois. During that time frame, Louis Dreyfus bought Allenberg Cotton Company. Um, I was the first trader that they transferred down to to Memphis to join Allenberg. So as I said, I moved three times for 16 months and then never again. So that was the beginning of the story uh, coming down to cotton. Um, you know, I had never seen a cotton plant in my life when I came down here and uh you know, what a change that's been for now. It's been my career and my life. How many, just a table set, how, how, what year was that that you moved down to Memphis? 1982, 82. a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. been there for a while. I'd say Absolutely. you're a true Memphian at this point. Exactly. So uh, I want to ask you too, Joe, and this is a big deal. I have been working on a project with the gang downtown at the American Cotton Shippers Association with Buddy and those guys. And so uh, I've been in touch with them a lot here recently, and I know that they are very excited to have a shipper being elected as a president of the National Cotton Council. This is only the third time in the history of the Cotton Council that that has happened, that someone from your what would be considered your segment, a shipper, uh, has led the council. So what does that mean to you? Uh, well, well, one, obviously, it's a great honor and privilege to be able to do that. Uh, you are right. Uh, traditionally, it doesn't happen very often. So... Um, uh, so I feel particularly, you know, honored to be able to do that. You know, in, in the past, if you go back many, many years ago, there seemed to have been a lot of choices in the industry between segments, and it did, and it created some um, question about whether people were aligned in philosophy and in policy that they're. But over the last fifteen to twenty years, that's really disappeared. So that today, you know, I, I try to look at it. And uh, one of the things I really want to push is that we're not seven segments in NCC. We're one industry. And we have to move forward with one voice, especially today with the challenges and difficulties that we see in, in the cotton industry. And many of those are very pointed to the United States industry. Uh, so we've got a lot of work ahead of us in the, in the next several years. Uh, we're being challenged on many fronts. Um, so a lot of work to be done. You know, the merchants are in a unique position. Uh, because we're really the interface between everything that takes place, whether it be the, the, the marketing chain, the value chain, the logistics, the end user, the grower, risk management. Um, so uh, I, I really feel that it's a great opportunity for us to be able to um, try to bring the group together, uh, again, as one industry instead of seven segments to, to meet the challenges that we're facing. Yeah, yeah, Joe, and, uh, you know, Obviously, we are Cotton Grower Magazine, so most of our audience is going to be farmers and growers. And, and uh, you know, you will have an opportunity to demonstrate that um, alignment of the industry uh, very soon in your tenure as we get into Farm Bill uh, negotiations in D.C. And so I know that that's a big uh, sort of uh, thing on, on the horizon in your year here as uh, chairman of the NCC. So what does that look like for you as you go to bat for you know, uh, the, the grower segment, but for the industry as a whole, as we get into farm bill debating. 
Sure. Well, I mean, I think part of this this uh, trust that exists is exemplified by the asks that the industry has had for inclusions into the new farm bill, um, which have been readily accepted by pretty much all the industry from all the segments. Uh, but look, there's no doubt that certain things are critically important, right? We have to increase the safety net to the growers. Uh, that's number one. If we don't have a crop, nobody has a business uh, to where we're at. We know we've been devastated by the droughts in Texas that took place. But more importantly, the world is changing, right? We're being challenged by Brazil every year more and more. Brazil's going to pass us up in production this year. Uh, and they're not far away from passing us up on being the number one exporter of cotton in the world, right? So one of the things I'm going to talk about, you know, um, and make sure that people understand, you know, if you don't compete, you will get beat. Now, that's a story I'm going to tell people along the line. And it's important for us to realize that it's okay for us to ask to do better. You know, doing just okay is no longer okay. We, we need to do better in a lot of the aspects that we have within our industry. And I'm going to really push to try to see if we can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Now, uh, similar uh, development that is really impacting the grower segment, really right here at the very beginning of your tenure is uh, just last week. Granted, you don't get elect officially elected until this weekend here on December, or rather, excuse me, February 17, I think is today. It's today. Yeah. yeah. So um, you'll be elected tomorrow. But just last week, we had this ruling come down about dicamba for our growers. And I know the council was very quick in putting out responses to that. Is that something even, I guess I'm asking you, it was really before your tenure here, but have you been involved and aware of those conversations as they're happening? I have not so much been involved, but definitely aware yeah. uh, of what's taking place. And as you mentioned, we had the ruling, a court ruling that just just recently came out. Um, and so that's going to be an issue that's going to be in front of us, right? And it's going to be challenged. Uh, that's there. So it's not an issue that's going away. So we're going to have to continue to work through that is. There is some, you know, possible hope that maybe we can have some alternative solutions um, from a product standpoint uh, that... Uh, maybe we can find some common ground. Um, but look, it's no secret that the many of the practices uh, are being challenged continuously in, in agriculture, not necessarily singled that out in cotton, but across the whole spectrum. Uh, and we're going to have to, that's one of the reasons why it's so important to have the council focused on this, because it gives us a forum to uh, to fight back, you know, to, to be able to present um, present our voice um, in the, in those type of discussions. Yeah. Yeah. Very good. Uh, Joe, it's a, a big event on the horizon again this year during your year as uh, president. It's really an eventful 2024. You got ahead of you. Of course, it's an election year. And I'm just curious about, uh, from a, how the sausage gets made standpoint, um, how does the council handle an election year in DC? Is it something where you're developing contacts in, and of course there's the, uh, the presidential election, which is the big one that everyone will have their eye on, but there are other key races that are going to be made for decision makers that are going to impact our industry. So is the council um, developing contacts on both sides of a, a that contested race? You know, through, throughout the cotton belt, um, there and through, it's not just the cotton belt that's important to us, right? Because uh, when we look at Congress, we have influential people on both sides, from the Republican and the Democrat side. And in the Ag Committees, they're not all, they're not all from the South, right? Obviously, there's agricultural in the North uh, as well. So it is, it is critically important for us to be able to have those relationships that's there. And, and I would say it's not just an election year. Sometimes post-election years are even more important 
because as you get new members into Congress, they need to understand what our issues are. So it's important for us to get in front of them so that we can explain uh, what our challenges are that are out there, why we have the policies that we have, why we have asks that are up there. So in some cases, the post-election year is almost even more important than the election year. Yeah. Yeah, that's real interesting. I, I, it's a good one to kind of dovetail towards the end here. I know you have meetings to get to here in this annual meeting weekend. Uh, you mentioned a post-election year. Joe, since I've been around, I've been around since 2008 here at the magazine. I've seen you be the AXA president. I've seen you be ICA. Uh, well, director, a director of ICA. Director of ICA. And now I'm here to watch you become the chairperson of the National Cotton Council. Uh, what does 2025 look like for you? Are you going to take a step back and try to just be a, uh, a merchant for a while? Um, I, don't, I don't know if... I would love to be able to take a step back, step back but I, I don't think that's on the horizon for me uh, just yet. Um, you know, I've been around a long time to where things are. I love what I do. You know, I do it because I love it. I think if you talk to many people, you know, the cotton industry is unique. Um, you know, our company, Louis Dreyfus, we trade many different commodities where it is. There is no industry like the cotton industry, both from the ability of people to network together, to come together for common causes. Um, it's just a different fraternity that exists within the world, within our industry. And I don't know if that's come because of the longevity of nature or, uh, and history that we've had within our industry. Um, but, you know, I would do it for free. I'm glad I don't have to do it for free, but I would do it for free because, you know, it, it's my passion. Yeah, well, clearly we, we can see that through your uh, through your efforts over the years. Uh, Joe? But in 2025, just to follow up on that answer, sure. but, you know, um, my message as I go forward to here is for people to understand that, uh, you know, the United States cotton industry um, has a huge challenge in front of it. And we need to pull together in order to where it is because we are losing ground quickly. Um, we don't have a problem selling U.S. cotton. You know, we have to make sure that we are able to grow cotton profitably in this country in order to be able to maintain both our customers, our market share, and the longevity of the great history that we've had in this country, uh, especially in, in the cotton industry. Uh, Brazil is growing tremendously quickly. Um, they're attacking and taking away our export markets uh, that we have. Um, and we can either sit back and do nothing and let that continue on, or we can come together as an industry and fight back. You know, and we, we are going to have to make some decisions on, on what it is that we do in this industry in order to better serve both our grower community so they can be productive uh, and profitable, but also within our supply chain and service our customers around the world um, so that we can separate ourselves in some form or fashion so that people can build, make the United States cotton a choice because they have a choice today. You know, just like uh, consumers have a choice. Uh, so do manufacturers and textile mills around the world. So we need to separate ourselves different from others. Yeah. Yeah, boy, I'd love to, uh, I would love to get in. What I want to ask you is, what does that look like coming together as an industry to be more competitive against Brazil? But I know that, A, I can't fit that into a podcast interview, and B, I'm going to hear from you two weeks from now at the Gin Show floor, as we always do, and that they give you an hour, and that's a big, long space for you to kind of stretch stretch out. And uh, I'll be talking a lot more about this subject, then, I, for sure. I suspect so. So we look forward to that. And uh, for our listeners, we'll bring you all the details from that speech as well. But for now, Joe, I know we got to let you go. Got a couple minutes before your next that's meeting. Great. I appreciate the time, and thank you for that. Thank
Thank you, Joe. So, all right, you can learn more about Joe and the NCC's annual meeting headlines online at cottongrower.com in the coming weeks. So that's going to just about do it for this episode of the Cotton Companion podcast. We want to thank NCC Chairman Joe Nicosia, of course, for taking time to visit with us in Orlando. Uh, we want to say thank you, too, to the American Cotton Shippers Association for their participation and sponsorship of the Cotton Companion. And as always, we want to thank you, dear listener, for joining us. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode, and if you did like what you've heard, please be sure to spread the word and tell your farming friends and neighbors about the Cotton Companion podcast. Here's where and how they can find us. You can find the Cotton Companion in three easy ways. First, go to cottongrower.com forward slash companion, or simply click the podcast tab at the top of the homepage. Second, subscribe to our channel on iTunes or wherever you find your podcasts these days. And three, Sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, The Cotton Grower E-News, that's delivered to your email inbox every Tuesday morning. You can do that by going to cottongrower.com forward slash subscribe. Also, be sure to follow Cotton Grower on social media. We are at Cotton Grower Mag on Twitter. And on Facebook, you'll find us by searching for Cotton Grower Magazine. Cotton Companion Podcast is produced twice monthly by Tyler Hatch and Kim Henderson our talented colleagues at the World Headquarters for Meister Media Worldwide in lovely Willoughby, Ohio. I'm Jim Stedman, he's Beck Barnes, and we'll be back with you in a few weeks with all the latest news in the next episode of The Cotton Companion. Until then, stay safe. Yeah, he works and he works and he works and he works all day. God made a farmer.